I have a pastor. I have a district pastor. His name is Rick uh, DeBose, and uh, he's over me in ministry, and uh, I submit to his authority. Everybody is under somebody's authority, and I am under his authority and uh, by choice because it's a cooperative fellowship. And, uh, but I appreciate this man because he has a vision. He has a vision. He has a vision for our district. He has a vision for the world. And God has spoken to his heart about an incredible vision uh, that our North Texas district uh, can do. And uh, I'm excited to be a part of his vision because it goes right along with our vision. Would you make my pastor, uh, our district superintendent, Brother Rick DeBose, would you make him welcome this morning? Thank you. Let me say I'm so delighted to have his wife, Rita, with us as well today. She's the pretty one of the bunch. All right. Amen. I know Rick doesn't want to be pretty. Amen. I, I've never had a pretty day in my life. So it's a. Well, isn't the Lord faithful? Wow. And the Royal Rangers were in the rain last night. Those poor little wet guys. They are, they're going to be a muddy mess. Their stuff's going to be muddy. I'm just glad I'm not the parent of a Royal Ranger. When I think about what they're going to bring home here in a little bit. Well, just so many good things. First of all, before I get into the Word this morning and move us toward what we feel the Lord would have us do, let me take something else I feel the Lord would be pleased with us doing, and that is to say, wow, you guys have come a long way in the last few years. Wow, wow, wow. I applaud you. Incredible. Incredible. The blessing of the Lord on this place in the last few years has just been phenomenal. You've caught the attention of all of us, but um, just thank God for what He's doing among you and through you. I know you have individually been blessed and benefited by what God's doing corporately. So has this community, and so will many others for years and years to come. Those kind of things happen because anytime God's going to do something, here's a whole other message that I don't have time to preach, but anytime God's going to do something, he raises up a person to do it through. Always, always, all through Scripture. I could spend about an hour and prove that from wall to wall. That's how God does it. He prepares the person, puts it in the heart of the person, releases the person. The person comes in and God works through people. Because from the very beginning in the book of Genesis, he took all this and then he gave it to a man. And he gave authority. And so he's always worked through his process. This would not be here if it wasn't for Pastor Mike and Dawn. And what they had done. And I think it would be right if we just showed them a special appreciation this morning. Good job, guys. Good job. Wow. We love you and we're proud of you. I want 30 more just like you. The Lord is so good. Well, he's right. This morning, it's the Sunday before Thanksgiving. And the fact that the pastor would let the superintendent have the message the Sunday before Thanksgiving, I am the most honored guy in all of North Texas because it's a, such a special Sunday and that I could be a part of it in this moment of your church. Is, I'm honored. I'm very honored. And I won't take it lightly. That's why I want to do it justice. So it may take two or three hours to do what I need to do this morning. <laughs> now, I am kidding. He, uh, you know, I have a reputation for preaching too long. So he did put in the note, 45 minutes would be sufficient. And uh, I think he, what he was saying was, by all means, don't go longer than that. You know, I, got, I, know what he meant. I know what he meant. Played golf with him. You know, I've never beat him in golf. I play so much better when I play with other people. I don't know what happens when I do it. We just have the greatest time. 
What a great blessing you have for pastor leadership. The worship this morning, you did an incredible job, you and your team. Y'all were just phenomenal. Took us right into the presence of the Lord. What a great church. Susie's here, too. So most of you know Susie. She works, she works at the North Texas District Office. We don't know what she does. She walks around a lot. And um, every, everywhere I go, I see Susie, and everybody's happy where Susie is, you know? So just it is what it is. No, she has a job. She really does. And it's always good to see her this morning. What an honor. And we also, a part of your church, our, uh, our secretary and treasurer for the district, uh, Pastor David Henry and, and his wife, Delana, have become a part of this congregation. And when they're not traveling, they're here. And I see him out there, my good friends. It's always good to see David. Well, you're blessed to have a district official that actually attends church here. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's a big deal. I tell you. So I know they don't attend faithfully, but it's not because they're skipping. It's because they have other places they have to go. So don't judge us all by that. I'm just all I'm asking. Well, it's good to be here. We're going to deal with Thanksgiving, which we're going to deal with the offering because that's a part of being thankful. If we're going to deal with an offering, we might as well just take it from the top. Let's go to Malachi chapter 3, verse 8. And those of you who understand the principle of tithing know and the principle of the offering know that one of the greatest insights is in the book of Malachi. That's always scary. When a man pulls out the scripture on Malachi, everybody gets a little nervous. I understand that. But the Lord's going to speak to us today. Let me read this little passage. We'll have prayer, and then we'll see what the Lord says. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you ask, how do we rob you? Tithe and offerings. Matter of fact, you're under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. Now bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. Ooh, I kind of like that scripture, don't you? First part's a little heavy. He's calling us a thief. The second part, though, he's promising us a blessing. And somewhere between the two, something pretty incredible happens. And it moves us into where I believe God wants to lead us today. So, Father, we ask in the name of Jesus that the Spirit of the Lord would just, just rest here. This is a great group of people. They're phenomenal people. But there's something deep you're wanting to do to take them to a different level, a greater level. And there's a word to be released and a faith to be released that's going to make a difference for, well, till you come. And so we ask that we would not miss that bullseye today, but we would hit the target. That you would do what you need to do in all of our lives. You would have your way. So Holy Spirit, guide me in what I say and do not say, and guide them in their ability to hear what you're saying. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You know, your pastor said it while ago when he was receiving the offering, and I just stand up and declare he's right, and I don't have much time. Won't need to spend much time there, but he's right. The tithe is the Lord's. It never was ours. He claimed the first tenth of everything. He claimed the first of everything and the first fruit from the very beginning. Jesus carries that over into the New Testament, which I don't have time to do today. Just trust me, it's there. Later on, pastor will fix you with that. But, but it's there. And, and, and what happens is, he said, the first part's mine. And, and what you do with it is bring it back. Bring it back. It's mine. And so what happens is, when God delivers to us our increase, his part is always mixed up with ours. And so he's saying, make sure you separate my part from your part and get my part back to me. Amen. 
Now, he said, if you can do that, if you can learn to deliver my part back to me, I will give you more altogether, which means my part will increase, but your part will increase also. But if you can't get my part back to me, why in the world would I give you more? And so it's kind of, he said, by holding and using my part for your purposes, you're stealing from me. That's what he's saying here. You're stealing from me because it was never your part. You didn't even ask me for it. Now, in the law, he does let us borrow his part. He said, if you decide to borrow my part, I will loan it to you with 20% interest. Did you know that's what it says in the law? You have to bring it and one-fifth with it next week. Now, I don't know how bad you need money, but I would go trade my car title in before I'd work on that deal. I, I'd find another way to get money because that's a, that's, but that's how he just structured. And what he was saying was, I really want you to understand that the tithe is mine. It was never yours, and so don't steal it. Bring it in. But then this is what he says. Now, I'm, just, I'm through with tithe. That's my whole message on tithe today. But he said, when you do this, I will throw open the windows of heaven to such, a, to such a level that you will have more than you have room to put in your storehouse. It will be an excessive blessing. Well, Lord, why do you give me more than we need, more than enough? And he said, because that's where the offering comes into view. I want to give you more than it takes for you to make it because then I want you to have some of your part not my part. My part is my part, and you've got to bring it back. But some of your part, that you can give that to me also. And I want you to learn the power of offering. So he says here, not only have you stolen the tithe, but actually the overabundance that I've blessed you with was supposed to also come back to me, and you didn't bring it back to me. You just kept increasing your lifestyle. You're dismissed. You've heard enough. I mean, you know, that's all, that's all we need. No, that's not true. See, the offering is different, though. It was always yours. It's always mine. That part that's above the 10%, that 90% that he leaves me with is mine to do with what I will. But he's teaching me that he would, he would love for me to love him and thank him and be so appreciative of what he's done that I wouldn't give him what already belongs to him. How can that be thankful? But when I take out what belongs to me, it's mine. I can do anything I want with it. But, Lord, I've made a decision. I'm going to bless you with it. Lord, I could do anything. I could go buy me something else. I could put some more in my reserves. I could do all of this and all of that. There's so much. Because it's mine. I can do what I want with it. But I've made a decision, Lord, to take some of mine and bring this back and say, God, I love you so much, I'm loving you with what belongs to me. Amen. That's the power of the offering because it takes on a whole different, a whole different impact and a, a different feel and a different motive because it was ours given to God, not God's given to God. That's why it's important that we have to differentiate between the tithe and the offerings right up front because today I'm not dealing with tithe. I'm going to deal with offering because the offering is where we get thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Uh, we can say, Lord, thank you, and here's yours back. But there's something about saying, Lord, here's thank you, and this is mine given to you. Amen. It's a different level of thankfulness. It's not, it's not saying I gave... Uh, Nine percent to the Lord this morning. I kept one percent of His money back to give to Him in a different offering. Some people do that. 
They take their tithe and divide it up. And they say, well, I'm going to give the Lord's tithe back, but I'm going to determine to give different pieces of it in different places. You know, if he wants to divide it up, let him do it. It's his money. It never was your money. And so the thing we have to do is, I, don't, I didn't mean to get on all of this, but, but this is just good. This is just good Christian stuff. It's just good how we do life. We just need to know these principles. It's blessed me. It'll bless you. But I release that. But the offering comes out of my side, and it's by the offering. If you're still with me, say Amen. amen. We're going to go a little deeper now. You're still holding on both hands. Don't let up. It's with the offering that we build the new buildings. That's not, that's not new. I mean, back in the Old Testament, when they were getting ready to build the first tabernacle, they didn't do it with the tithe. They did it with the offering. People brought their offerings, and the offering supplied what it took. When they got ready to build the temple, it was done with the offerings, not with the tithe. See, anytime we move forward, as a matter of fact, every time the church advances, it can, it can, it can survive by the tithe, but it can only thrive by the offering. And there's something happens when we get ready to move forward. Somebody's got to give out of their pocket, not out of God's pocket. God's pocket is designed for certain uses and purposes, and it will fulfill those purposes according to how God has determined because he hires people. He hires, he hires apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, and he brings them in, and they live off his tithes and off his money, and he establishes certain things that are done with his money because they work for him. See, what happens if we're not careful, the old preacher can begin to work for the people's money, and then he works for the people, and he loses the anointing that comes from God. But as long as we're working for the Lord, we're living on His money, but we also walk in His anointing. And there's something powerful about differentiating between what the, the Lord's money and our money. But when it comes time for the church to go forward, He will always require that our money moves the church forward, that our money goes to the next place, that our money releases us to minister one to another, that our money is really, the, the epitome of our money is an act of thanksgiving. It does all these things, but the reason we give it, Lord, is not just because of the potential use, but it's because we love you. Amen. And we want to show our thankfulness to who you are and what you have done for us. See, that the tithe releases a blessing, but once that blessing comes, it is to be used for the purpose of moving the kingdom forward. It's so that we can fulfill our call, our responsibility, and the purpose that God has given us individually and as a church, as a team, as a body, we move forward as we release this. See, he made it clear, you go into all the world and preach the gospel. He made that our responsibility. In the same way that he said, he said to Adam way back in the beginning, he said, Adam, I want you to reproduce. I want you to subdue. This is yours. I want you to guide it, lead it, and take authority over it, responsibility for it. It's yours. I've built it. I've it. It's all yours, but now it's you. You've got to take it from here. It's your responsibility. And because it was his responsibility, he had certain things he had to do, and he had to spend his own life and effort and energy to make it happen. And when Jesus said later to, to, uh, to us, go you into all the world, we try to figure out often a way to do all the world with his money and not get our money involved. We try to have him pay for it completely when the privilege and the responsibility has been given to us to take this gospel message to the whole world. And it's going to take our money to get it done. Pastor, why don't we just give a percentage of the tithe that already comes into missions and let that just do what it does? No, we will never reach the world on a percentage of the tithe going to missions. If we are going to fulfill what God has called us to do, we're going to have to pull our money out, put our offering on the table, and pay for it out of what he left in our blessing. Is all that making sense? So when we build a building, you say, Pastor, you know, if ever, I've heard this all my life, as long as I've been in the ministry, if everybody paid their tithe, we'd have all the money we need. I've heard that so many times. 
The truth is that's not true. The truth is, if everybody paying the tithe was enough to do all you need, then your vision's too small. Because the passionate call of God is designed to put us in a place where we get to participate, where we have the opportunity to give and participate with our money and what we have in the overflow blessing that he's brought into our house, that we don't consume it upon our own lust, but we take that money and use it for the purpose of the eternal things of the kingdom. This is the offering, but, it's, but he even said when you hold it back, you're, you're robbing my purpose. You're robbing me. So go you into all the world, but you pay for it. Take this gospel to every creature, but you pay for it. Build this, but you pay for it. Buy this and send him and send her, but you pay for it. Go start, plant, do. All of this comes out of the offering. Every one of these things from the beginning of Scripture to the end came out of what people had left over in the blessing after the tithe. The church that has a strong tithe base is obviously going to be able to have a blessed ministry team, blessed, all those things are going to be able to function at a high level. But they will never fulfill the purpose of God without offering. The church can only survive by the tithe, but it must thrive by the offering. If you got that now, if I spend enough time there, I mean, come on, Pastor, go to the next thing. I know, but I just want to make sure you're there. The offering is the first and foremost act of thanksgiving. Yes. But before it's anything else, forget about what we're giving to move. Forget about the building. Forget about even the sending, even the supporting of the missionary. Forget about all of that for just a minute. When it comes out of my hand and it moves forward, it should first and foremost be an act of thankfulness unto what the Lord has done for me. It's got to be a thankful thing. Thanksgiving. We, we in, the, in the America sets aside a day to celebrate Thanksgiving. When this day was set up, it was set up to be thankful to God. I know that some of that has been lost over the years, but for us Christians, it hasn't been lost. We thank God that we have one Thursday every year. We eat and thank God. We eat and thank God we have something to eat, and then we always had something to eat, and the next year we're going to have something to eat because our God is faithful. We thank God for His blessing. We thank God for our salvation. We thank God. But it's one thing to go to somebody and thank them while you eat their food. It's a whole other thing to do something for them. Why you thank them. The offering of thanksgiving is so powerful that in John chapter 12, verse 1, it says it was six days before the Passover, Jesus arrived at Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Now, here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took a pint of pure nard, expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of perfume. It's what an incredible moment. I mean, this was, if, if you were to read the whole story and read it in all the different translations, what you would discover is this. That was valued at a year's wages, a full year's wages. So the Bible doesn't tell us what a year's wages was. It just says a year's wages. So I'm believing it was a year wages for her. And I think what that means is, to make it me, it would be me giving a year's wages from my pocket for me to do it, for you to do it. If you make 30000 a year, it would be a $30,000 gift. If you make 100000 it would be a $100,000 gift. If you, make, if you make half a million dollars a year, it would be a half a million dollar gift. If you make a million dollars a year, it would be a million dollars a gift. And, and I really want to talk to you after church, too. We have some other opportunities that we can <laughs> make available for you that make a million dollars a year. Now, look at this. But the idea here in this beautiful setting is it was re- relative to, her annu- to the annual income. 
What it's saying is she spent a lot of money in buying this perfume. And she simply spilled it out. Matter of fact, some complained, Judas, to be example. He jumped up and said, this could have been used to feed the poor. This is such a waste of a valuable opportunity. I mean, this should have been. All she did was pour it on your feet. Jesus immediately said to him, you don't even get it, boy. She has been preparing me for my burial. You don't even know. This is more. Worshiping me is always more valuable than any other thing. Wow. So this act of worship, this act of thankfulness makes it valuable, not because it went to feed the poor, not because it accomplished a purpose, not even because it spread the gospel to someone that hadn't heard. The most important thing in an offering is that it's not just me responding to a need. It's me responding to a God who has loved me, cared for me, forgiven me of my sin, stood up for me. And it's me coming to God. And when I'm giving to God, I can't give God a little something and say, here, God, here's a, here's a little $5 bill. I, I just want to say thank you for how good you've been to me. You've been good $5 worth. Well, that doesn't work, does it? She took a whole year's wages, and she spilled it out on his feet saying, God, this is the most expensive, valuable thing I have. I am not going to, I am pouring it out on you to say I love you. I thank you. If I had more, I would give more. This is all I can do to say thank you for my salvation. Too often we, we give responding to the need, which limits our gift to a lot of things. But when we give out of thankfulness, the lid comes off. Because look how good he's been to us. The greatest offering may, may, may have a target of a certain need, and that's good. It should. But it still should be given out of thankfulness and praise. It should be more than just, we met the need. Because the truth is, Jesus can meet the need. <laughs> it's our act of thanksgiving that matters most. Let me tell you about this. Pastor already mentioned it. I keep an eye on my clock here because I really do want to stay inside that 45 minutes just because he doesn't believe I can and I can. And, <laughs> and I, I have determined to do that and just to prove I can. I may not beat him in golf, but I do want to. Get this today. I'm so looking forward to district council this year because we're going to do something we've never done before. We're going to have the greatest act of Thanksgiving that we've ever experienced. We'll be. This is our 100th district council. It's our, next year will be our 100th birthday because we started at a district council. But this is our 100th district council, so we are 18 months away from celebrating our 100th birthday as the North Texas district. That's kind of a big deal, obviously, you know. And, and after, after 100 councils, we're going to use this one just to come back and say thank you. I thought about the lepers. Ten of them received their healing as they left, but one of them came back. And Jesus noticed. As a matter of fact, he even asked, where are the other nine? Why didn't they? So he, he, he pays attention to that stuff. And, and there's so much power in being thankful because when I am thankful, a number of things happen. And one of the things that happen is it opens the windows of heaven. But the other thing that happens, it releases me from the past. And until I can be thankful 
to the things that, and appreciate and release thanksgiving to those who have brought me to where I am. Until I can release them by thankfulness, I really can't move forward. I carry it around like a heaviness. But once I stop and take care of things, you know, there's a whole message here. We could talk about going and get, saying thank you to a lot of people at this Thanksgiving. This was just a Thanksgiving message, and I could, message I could live there. But, but there's this moment where in the, in the Assemblies of God, North Texas District, we're going to get up, and here's what I want to do. I want to give Jesus. I'll tell you what we're going to do with it in a minute. Just, just hold on. Because that matters, but the thankfulness of it is the priority. I want to write Jesus a million-dollar check. Now, I have a reason for it. We're going to, that's very next in this message. But I want to write Jesus a check for a million dollars, and I want it, one of those big fake checks that isn't really the check. You know, you know those big. And I want it to say, pay to the order of Jesus Christ one million dollars. And down in the memo session, out section, I want it to say, one million souls, happy birthday. Wouldn't that be the greatest thing? And then I want to get up like Old Testament. And I, we're just going to, the whole place, we're just going to jump up. And we're just going to wave. Because it's not going to be from Rick DeBose. It's not going to be from the North Texas District office. It's going to be. And that's what we're doing right now. We're going through this district, gathering up people who say, well, I want my money to be a part of that offering. I want to show my thankfulness. I'm going to add to that process. So that all of us, there's about 80-something thousand of us that gather every Sunday, that all of us begin to bring that in. And I, I invite everybody to come. But if it gets the whole 80,000, I'm in trouble, obviously, but we're going to come, and we're just going to wave and shout, and we're going to say, thank you, Lord, because a hundred years ago, you raised up something and started something that somewhere in the process got the gospel to me, and somewhere in that process, I found out you're my Savior, and I accepted you, and my parents may have, and my grandparents may I don't know, but in all of this, it's carried on, and look what has happened, and now my kids know you, and my grandkids are going to know you, and I just want to say, thank you, Lord, for for what you have done. We are going to celebrate like we have never celebrated. Thank you, Jesus. And we're all doing it. It begins now. And, and, and we, boy, you know, money's coming in and people saying, Pastor, we took our Thanksgiving offering. We're, here it is. And, and so what are we going to do with all that money? <laughs> boy, I can't wait to tell this part. I was standing on the star, Cowboy Stadium, just a few months ago. I was standing there with uh, Dr. George Flattery, that some of you know, who, who established, first of all, Global University, and then later on would establish Network 21-1. He's a phenomenal guy, about 76, 77 years old, that is just a phenomenon, and I've been on his board for a while. But he, we're standing on the star, and he said, how many seats are in this stadium? And we all had just been through the tour, so we all knew. 105,000 seats. He said, did you know... That every week, enough people click on our website, Network 211, to fill this stadium. Every week. Can you imagine? I think they're going to play later tonight. They'll be in New York, so it won't be quite the same effect. But sooner or later, they'll make it back to Dallas. And you'll see them standing there. And, and you, you just, just let it. When they pan that, just look at that massive crowd of people and realize that that many people come into the Network 211 site every week. He said out of those 105,000 visitors, 15,000 will click the button saying, I just prayed the prayer of salvation with you. 15,000. A week! <laughs> Is that cool or what? I mean, I mean, we have some good outreaches, but that's, that, that's the best. 
How do they do that? Well, first of all, Network 21 is in the top 10 languages of the Internet. So it's reaching people. Did you know we have the greatest reach inside the 1040 window of any ministry on the face of the earth? Because we don't really go there. We just send all this electronic opportunity there. The reality is this. This message is going out so that we have people on a regular basis that click in our Arabic. And they, and they, and they ask in Arabic for, for information. A lot, of our, a lot of women who are being abused by their husbands in that, in that society and in that, in that religious process. They're looking and they're finding Jesus. And they're clicking. I just prayed the prayer. What do I do now? It's phenomenal. We're going into Arab nations. We're going into all kinds of nations. China, China's lining up to get saved. We have more Chinese people saved than, than, than anybody. <laughs> I'm sure there's a better way to say it. I just couldn't think of it. But that's not the end of it because it's tied to, to Global University. They immediately connect to the discipleship process. And then we give that information through our missions process so that it goes to the local churches. And we have some of them that pray the prayer, and within three to four days, they're already being visited by someone from a local church in the process of connection to the local church. This is phenomenal. There is nothing like it on the face of the earth. <laughs> it is the how. And when God said, go ye into all the world and preach this gospel like we've never seen. It doesn't replace the local missionary. Don't even think that it does. But it empowers the gospel so that the local missionary and the local church can do more. than. And, and here's the bottom line. Are you ready for this? With every dollar, the numbers don't lie. With every dollar spent, somebody gets saved. One dollar, one soul. Isn't that amazing? I mean, I was, I've been in the process of this for eight years, serving on the board, watching it develop. I stand with my mouth open when I see. And here's the rest of it. They tell us it's getting better and better. And it's very possible that we'll be down to 75 cents a soul. Souls aren't worth less. We can just buy more. It's just a good deal. That's just all there is to it. And if you like a good deal, this is a good deal. Uh, this is a great deal. It's a great place. Put your money. It's phenomenal. How's it work, Pastor? Well, let me give you two, a two-minute deal. We go to Google. Everybody heard of Google? Say amen. If you haven't, you, anyway, you've heard of Google. When Dr. Flattery began to feel led of the Lord to develop this process, Google hadn't yet released or launched. We didn't know exactly how it was going to work or how we were going to connect. We weren't sure how we were going to advertise and get it out. But by the time he had the train built, God brought the tracks and called it Google. And we put the tracks of Google underneath it. And here's what we do. We pay money. And by paying money to Google, we buy AdWords. And so that if you type in divorce, we've paid the money to have our, our, our word up high. If you, if you type in depression, if you type in, there's 10 or 12 different key words that we've learned that people type and search when they're in difficult times in their life. Brokenness is a question. That was surprised to me how many people type in the word broken or brokenness. And now we have paid the money to have our name broken. When you go there, you end up with us. That's done in 10 different languages. So we have to pay the money to get in all. So, we pay. so what do we do with your money? We just simply give it to Google to buy AdWords. And then it's Google, not us, who's determined how many people click yes. So this is not evangelistically speaking. This is Google saying that when you spend this much money, this is what's happening on your site. And this is how many have clicked your button. Isn't that incredible? All we've got to do is buy the words and keep it working because how do we do it so cheap? We do it cheap because we have eight missionaries who have already raised their money that run the thing. So we have eight people 
who can fill up Texas, or not Texas Stadium anymore, is it? Who can fill up AT&T Stadium with 105 people once a week, eight people. Back in the days of the Billy Graham crusade, it would have taken thousands of people and millions of dollars to fill it up once and would probably not have seen as many salvations as we do every week with eight people. And the total dollars to fill that thing up right now are down to about $7,000 a week. I know that's better than a dollar a soul. I'm being real cautious when I tell you that for one dollar, one soul comes in because it's really more. We've never seen anything like this. I was sitting at a meeting when this was being shared. I was in that board meeting, and the Lord spoke to me because I was already praying about, Lord, what can we give you for our birthday? And he just whispered and said, see that? I want one million souls for my birthday. I said, Lord, I'm going to do everything you'll help me do to raise a million dollars. And I want it to be from the North Texas people and the North Texas churches. And we're going to bring you a million dollar, a million souls for the birthday of the North Texas district. Are you with me so far? It's the greatest, it's as great opportunities we're ever going to find. It's incredible what God's doing. It works, but it's more and it's not just us saying, wow, we don't want to miss this moment. That's there. But we want to say, God, this is our chance to say, thank you. Look what you've done for me. Look how you saved me. Look at what you're doing in my family. Thank you, Lord. And then Thanksgiving now. So when we hold our offering, we don't just rob God. Sometimes we rob the congregation from the needs that need to be met. Sometimes we rob the kingdom. But most important is sometimes we rob salvation from other people that we have received so freely. (laughs) James chapter 5 verse 1 says, listen you rich American people. Okay, the word American uh, is not in there, but, but I'm promising you, that's how, you know, I added that. Yes, you know that. Now listen, you rich American people, weep and wail because the misery that is coming upon you. Your wealth is rotted. Malls have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You've hoarded wealth in the last days. Look. The wages you failed to pay the missionaries who mowed the fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You have lived in, on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You fattened yourselves up in the day of slaughter. You've condemned and murdered innocent people who were not even opposing you. What he's saying, he's saying they they were innocent. They didn't know. And they weren't your enemy. And yet by by just continuing to devour it and continuing the blessing that came because of the tithe you were faithful in and the offering and the opportunity, but you just kept using it to make your life fatter and fatter and fatter while they're out there without even knowing it and not getting the reality that we're responsible. It's our money that gets it to them, not the Lord's money, that we've got to say, no, this this is for a greater purpose than another car and another garage. He said, on the last day, all that stuff's going to be used in testimony against you. 
don't have time to break that scripture down except to say it. I'm not trying to be hard or heavy. I'm trying to say this incredible opportunity before us. We cannot let the American dream get in the way of God's holy purpose. Don't be caught up in this stuff. The Lord will bless you and increase you. He'll give you more and more. And it's not wrong. As a matter of fact, it's okay. For God to bless you. He wants to bless you. But it becomes a problem when his work is left unfinished. While our lives have become more comfortable. You know, in Haggai, he, that's not in your scriptures, guys. In Haggai, he said... He said, you put your money in bags with holes in it. Why does, it, why does your money keep falling out the hole? Why can't you find your money when you go back to find it? He said, because I've cursed it. I've cursed it because you keep using it to build your own lives and make your own life better and better while my purpose has been left undone. He said, I'm doing it because I love you so much. I'm trying to get you back on track. This whole money thing, wow. Guys, I'm skipping some stuff. I'm going to go to Matthew 6. Otherwise, I won't be able to keep my word. <laughs> Matthew 6, 9 says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moss and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. See, the offering, it's many things, and I skipped four, but it's many things. But one of the things it is, is it's the way in which my heart is transferred. It changes my affections. It causes me to love the right things instead of the wrong things. It helps me get over the American dream and get caught up in the purposes of the kingdom. It literally helps me shift. Somewhere I have to take my offering and I give it. And I push it out there and say, well, I'm going to give this because I thank you, Lord, and because the need is right. But I'm going to do it also because my heart loves the wrong stuff. And I want to change, God. And so I begin, I give you this offering to begin to move my values over there instead of valuing the stuff I can't take with me anyway. And the more you give, the more your heart is transformed. And the more your eternity is blessed. So in Luke chapter 6, 38, he says this. Give and it will be given to you. Wait a minute, God, we're just trying to get rid of it. So we can change. He said, I know, but it's still how it works. So good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. What does that mean, Lord? It means that when you can give it away, then I can trust you to have it. When you can't give it away... It'll control you and destroy you. So it's better for you not to have it. I'm down to the wrap-up here, so just stay with me a little longer. I, um, I was pastoring, and I did my tithe series, which I did a tithe series just about every year, teaching our people on the importance of tithes and offering. I know some preachers are afraid to preach on money, but Jesus said that the competition for the heart of man is money. And he dealt with it more than anybody in the Bible. So evidently we need to deal with it because you can't love both God and money, as he said. And it's something that gets in the way of our walk with God. And so it has to be dealt with. So I dealt with it. I had preached this incredible message. You should have heard me. I was good. <laughs> On tithes and offerings. At the end of this series of sermons, people committed to pay tithes. They'd never paid tithes before. It was kind of fun. Now it was a Wednesday night. It's been going on. It's been about 30 days since I'd completed the process. It was Wednesday night. And on the Wednesday night services, we used to have testimonies. 
And at testimony time, people would stand up and tell what God was doing. They'd build everybody else's faith. We would applaud, and it was just a good time. We liked it, except you always had some weirdos. But it was a lot of fun, and as long as you keep it in check and control it, you could do it, and it was valuable. And so that's where we were. Well, it was that we was 30 days after, and some people had been tithing, and got it. So one guy jumps up, and he says, Pastor, I just want to say thank you for preaching the messages on tithing. I learned it. I tried it. I took God's challenge where he said, try me in this. I did, and I started paying my tithe. I have now been paying my tithe every week for four weeks in a row. Well, that's great. I'm proud. He said, but here's what happened. He said, two weeks after paying tithes, I got a promotion at work. Two weeks, I got this promotion, and I got a big raise. He said, but that's nothing, because I've only been two weeks since that promotion, and they already called me in and gave me another promotion. And he said, here's the story. This is a true story. He said, here's the story. I've been paying tithes 30 days, and my income has doubled. And we all went. Well, that's pretty good right there. I don't know. I mean, I don't know that everybody's going to be able to say that, but that's phenomenal. And then somebody else jumped up. They said, Pastor, i got to brag, too, on what God's doing in my life. He said, we started paying tithing, and then we had this need, and we, didn't, but we, we went ahead and paid our tithe. The need was still there. We paid our tithe. The need was still there. And then I go to the mailbox, and I open up this thing from an insurance company that's not even our insurance anymore, and they had overcharged us, and they owed us money, and they paid us so much money back that I was able to completely pay the need. He said, they've been looking for me and couldn't find me, but when I started paying my tithe, God showed them where I was. I said, said, it's the greatest thing in the world. I said, that is good. Third person jumped up and said, Pastor, I think we have the, the best of all. Not that we're competing, but... We started paying our tithes, and we found out that we were in the will of an uncle who left us a lot of money. Really? Yeah, they said, and the best part is, we didn't even know him, so we're not even sad. (laughs) That's a hard deal to beat right there. I mean, you know, that's just... Now, are y'all still with me? (laughs) Now, while that was going on, listen to this. While that was going on, I'm looking around because I know that some other folks have started paying tithes, and they're not jumping up. They evidently don't have the same testimony, so it bothered me. So I got alone with the Lord over the next few days, and I prayed. I said, God, I need a word for those who are not seeing. He said, oh, it's simple. And he said, would you, would you give a small child a high-caliber weapon to play with? I said, well, no, because they may kill themselves or somebody else. That, that would be dangerous. He said, that's right, and money is a powerful thing. He said, it's not that I'm not blessing them, but I have to bless them with maturity before I can bless them with money. And right now, if I were to release that blessing, he said, this whole tithing is a trying, developing part. And when I get them mature, I'll begin to release it, and they'll learn. And when they get to the place where I can bless, then they can even give offering. I'm going to move them forward. There's a process to this that will be a long-term, eternal blessing to their life. But if I just give them money, they'll go buy a boat and won't come back to church. That's good preaching up there, Pastor. That's my kind of stuff when you start talking. See, the reality is this. God loves us. And he wants to bless us. But what's blessing to one may not be blessing to another. Isn't that that what he said when Peter and John were having their little thing after the breakfast that morning? He said, what is it if I let him live forever? He's mine. I'll do with him what I want. You worry about you. And so sometimes we don't understand what God's doing in others. And sometimes we don't know why they're more blessed than we are. Well, the truth is, when you begin to release the things of God, you are blessed. But sometimes your blessing hasn't taken on finance yet. But it will when God gets through preparing you for what he has. 
Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure. Press down. Shake it together. Run it over. For the measure you use, for all that measuring back and forth to bring about what God wants to do. So it's an act of thanksgiving. It's an act of maturing. It's all a part of the process of who and what God's doing in me. But it's also the process through which God does what he's going to do out there and in here and among the church. And I didn't preach all that part, but trust me, I wanted to. See, God gives vision to his leaders and pastors so that he may give opportunity to his people. And your pastor stood up here and said, we've got to build this building. God has put it. That was an opportunity for us to grow and develop and give and be thankful and show our thanksgiving to the Lord and participate with those moments. And in the same way, pastor's already said it this morning, in the same way God has put this before our district saying, give me a million dollars for souls and I've got you a place that a million souls will come into the kingdom and let us all. And in this is suddenly an opportunity on the Sunday before Thanksgiving for us not just to write a check to get some souls in the kingdom, not just to write a check to participate in no it's bigger than that it's me saying lord i am thankful and this is how thankful i am and all of your money and all of your gift will not it, this one's not going to build a building this one's not going to pay debt this one's not your offering is not going to pay somebody's salary everything in it is going to buy an ad word so that when somebody from somewhere in some part of this world wakes up See, a lot of times our gospel is preached to people who aren't ready to hear. But these are people looking for answers already. It's almost perfect. <laughs> and they type in in the middle of 2 o'clock in the morning, God, I don't, depression, suicide, brokenness. And this little word that you bought pops up and takes them into a little two-and-a-half-minute video. And they are incredibly quality. I just didn't have time to show you any today. And when the video's over, it said, if you would like to pray this prayer of salvation and give your life to Jesus, click here. Okay, and now do it. And they do it. And when they do it, it said, if you have prayed the prayer, just click. And as soon as that happens, there's a whole process released. But the beauty is somebody from somewhere in this world for every dollar you give is going to click on some word and pray for Jesus to come into their heart. Greatest opportunity I've ever seen. What a way to say thank you to Jesus. You got the gospel to me. And now for every dollar I give, you're going to get it to somebody else. Thank you for what you have done. Let's pray. Father, we love you and thank you because you're so good. You're so worthy of praise and glory and honor. You're worthy of thankfulness with our lips and worthy of thankfulness in every other way, but it becomes tangible when it costs us something, when we take out of our part of, the, of our money, not your part, and we say, Lord, this is a piece. This is, this is that broken box of alabaster. This is us poured out on you. There may be somebody today that is so moved that they say, I want to give a year. There may be someone that says, I want to give a week of my life. There may be someone that says, I want to fill up that Cowboys stadium one time. There's so many ways we can respond as you quicken us and touch our hearts between now and June. Lord, for $7,000, they could fill up the whole stadium. Or some can write that check, and they can't wait to do it to show their love for you. 
different ones will respond in different ways. Some, God, they don't have that same capability in their process of development where they are. Their overflow is a little different, but they can do something, and you're speaking to them. And to them, it's as much love and appreciation as the man that writes the $100,000 check. There's no difference because it's all in thanksgiving. Now, I ask you to speak to all of us that we may do what we should and release what you've done. In Jesus' name. Keep your heads bowed for just a minute. I know what we're doing this morning is we're taking a worldwide altar call and literally thousands and thousands of people are going to give their heart to God because of this moment. But in reaching to them, if you've come to this house and God's been at work in your life and you know that you need to give your life to Him, it's not the message I preach, but it may be what the Holy Spirit's saying to you. You may be ready to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You may have come to the place where you know that your brokenness, your world, your struggle, and all of us talking and celebrating about how God has saved us and we want somebody else. We, want, we, we don't want to look past you to get to them. You matter. We're so glad you're here this morning. I just want to pray for you. Church, before we move forward, can we pray together for anyone in this house that may need to know Jesus? Father, we pray anyone who is not where they should be with you. Their walk with you and faith and trust in you has not been made complete. And you know who they are. You know how you prepared them. You know where they are on the journey. And you know how they are ready to respond. We pray for them today that a divine courage and faith would rise up. And that they would be ready to receive you today. And today would, we'd start this whole thing with them. And from those that are ready to receive in this house, we would move to the world. We pray for them, Lord. We pray for them. Jesus' name. Heads still bowed. If that's you this morning, if you need me to pray for you, I just want to pray. If you know you need to get right with Jesus, would you just hold your hand up where I can see it? I'm not going to bother you or bug you or embarrass you. I just want to pray for you. Real quick. Real quick. Anywhere. Anywhere. I'm going to look back. I may have missed you, so I'm going to look back one more time. If you didn't didn't raise your hand, you should have. Do it quickly. Do it quickly. All right, I didn't see any hands. I'm going to believe that everyone is already right with God. Or if you're not, you're on the way. You're just not quite ready. Now it's everybody else's turn. Now it's all the folks in China and Europe, India. A lot of people from India are responding. It's all the folks from the Arab nations, Korea. And a huge amount from right here in the USA, Mexico, Brazil, the whole world. I wish I could stand and look and say, I see that hand. I see that hand. And, and I can't see it, but God can. But God knows they won't be able to respond if we don't get those ad words in front of them. And that's what we're going to do today. Father, speak to us each one individually and give us the faith to respond as we should in this incredible moment of opportunity that we may come and wave that check to you. But, but long before the check's ever waved, we'll have already sent some of the money in and released the process, and people will already know your name and have already received your forgiveness and your new birth. We pray, God. We pray it in the name of Jesus. We thank you for it. Amen.